Dark Maga, Monkeypox, Baby Formula, more COVID, God banned from entering Russia. Oh, man, what a week. Thanks again for joining me on Richard Bay Talk, along with my estimable producer, Albert Reynoso. Hello. Good, good to see you again, Albert. Thank you. Okay. So um, we heard this week about Dark Maga. You know, Joe Biden at one point described it as MAGA Ultra or Ultra MAGA, and all of the MAGA people were laughing at that. So, oh, yes, I'm Ultra MAGA. I, then Madison Cawthorn, who lost and started crying about it, he called forth the forces of dark MAGA and said, uh, we must gather together in dark MAGA and overcome our enemies. Um, so now there's dark MAGA, there's light MAGA, there's bittersweet MAGA. It's like it's like chocolate now, you know. You, you take your pick, but I think I think we should start just start calling it dark MAGA every time we refer to it because it, it is a, a very dark and dangerous philosophy. Um, monkeypox, monkeypox. That's uh, whoever. I, I think this is the first week I've, the first time in my life I've ever heard that word, although it does sound like a video game uh, from the 1990s, doesn't it? <laughs> Monkeypox. Now, for um, those of us who don't, who don't regularly tune into the news anymore, what is with monkeypox? Well, monkey... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that's the first I'm hearing about monkeypox. Well, I, I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised. Monkeypox is uh, is some new disease that is popping up everywhere around the world, and uh, they found it in America now too. Okay, it's just like a, it's, it's it's like a smallpox. You get oh. all these little things on you. Frankly, we got enough to worry about. Now we got monkeypox. Right. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, COVID, of course, is rising everywhere uh, around the country. This week, I got my second booster. I had no reaction this time. The last, the first shot, nothing. Second shot, I'm like this. Ah, my, I couldn't stop my hands from shaking, sweating, lying in bed. Uh, sweating through the sheets until the morning. Uh, the first booster, the same way. This booster, almost nothing. Uh, you know, I took a two-hour nap, I guess, but, you know, that wasn't, I don't even know if that was, uh, you know, from the booster. So anyway, I got well, going to have to get the monkeypox vaccine now, and then it'll happen all over again. Yes, well, that's right, monkeypox. It's monkey, somehow monkeypox sounds... <laughs> It sounds like a movie or something where it's monkeypox, you know. Not at least it's fun. COVID was not fun. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it sounds it's not fun in that. I don't. I, 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 monkeypox isn't going to be fun either. Uh, and one thing that isn't fun is this um, uh, formula shortage, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But um, you know, one of the things I, I think um, Joe Biden should start calling it dark MAGA instead of ultra MAGA. But I also think that the Democrats, you know, they tried to pass a bill um, uh, that would uh, make Roe versus Wade legally uh, uh, legally enforceable across the country in every state, and it failed. 
But that's one of the problems with the, the Democrats. They try to bite off something so big uh, rather than breaking it into pieces. I mean, look how methodical the Republicans have been in getting things passed. Uh, what they should do is put a bill together to ensure that a first trimester abortion is legal everywhere in the country. I have asked over and over again for people who are ostensibly pro-life, which is not a term I like to use, or anti-abortion. I said, other than religion, what is the reason for banning a first trimester abortion? And they say heartbeat. There is no heartbeat. There is no heart. There is no heart until 30 weeks. Now, one thing that people, there was an article this weekend, when people don't realize this in Florida, I mean, of course, and this may change, the law that we have kicking in when Roe versus Wade is overturned is a 15-week uh, abortion ban, meaning after 15 weeks, abortions will not be legal. Well, that's three weeks more than the first trimester. 90 to 95% of abortions take place in the first trimester. And this is longer than that. And what people are postulating now is that if this is the final law that we have in Florida, and of course, that is not assured, but that Florida will become a haven for those seeking to terminate a pregnancy that will have even more abortion clinics because all of the surrounding states are going to be much more harsh with their restrictions. Louisiana and Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and even Texas. I mean, Florida will be the Southern state with the most liberal abortion law. So you will be able to get an abortion here, at least at this point, at 15 weeks. I just read this this week. Surprising. In France, a legal abortion is only protected up until 14 weeks. So, really, what the Democrats should have done to protect most American women was try to get Susan Collins and um, Murkowski from Alaska and sit down and try to craft a first trimester guarantee for a woman to have the choice of termination. Now, I'm not even saying that would pass. I don't know. But it certainly would have uh, more votes and a better argument. And let somebody in the well of the Senate Stand there and say, other than religious, other than religious reasons, why should there be a ban on first trimester abortions? Let me hear the reasons. I mean, now, what was it, Oklahoma? At conception. This is a human life at conception. At conception. The, the blastocyst. The blastocysts, a million of them fall in the toilet every year in America through a, a miscarriage, which uh, in, in, um, in medical terms is called a spontaneous abortion. 
So the Democrats should bite off. And here's another thing. Right now we're talking about formula uh, shortages, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, you know, there's a bill in Congress that will protect us or help to protect us from the next wave of COVID, and they can't pass it. Mitt Romney, Chuck Schumer, they got together and they came up with something. I think it's $10 billion now. And we're being warned that if there's another COVID wave in the fall, we will not have enough tests. We will not have enough vaccines. We will not have enough therapeutics. And this bill is stalled by Republicans because they want to attach a guarantee that the immigration um, um, regulation from the CDC will be extended further. What, what, what does that have to do with this? But I guess now since a Trump judge negated um, this Trump-era restriction on asylum seekers, I mean, maybe that's not an issue anymore. But, you know, people say, well, you know, the Abbott... You know, they had they had to close their plant, you know, three months ago. Why didn't people see ahead to this? Well, what's going to happen in the fall when we don't have therapeutics and we don't have uh, vaccines and we don't have testing kits? At least, uh, and we won't have them for free for people. Somebody's going to say, why didn't we think of this before? Well, we did. Now, if you watched 60 Minutes last night, it was kind of a frightening first story that they had about how hospitals do not have the drugs they need. There are shortages in almost every American hospital. They had two children who had leukemia who needed a special um, uh, uh, chemical administered in an IV, and they could, they, the, the kids might have died without it. They scoured and they found something. But there are other things. They don't even have glucose. Glucose is sugar. They don't even have sterile water supplies. Every day they have to monitor them. So now we get to this formula shortage. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a formula shortage. They closed the Abbott plant. You know, they found there was some contamination and our children got sick. And there's about 40% less formula in this country. But if you watch TV, and I know Albert doesn't watch the news on TV, what you will see over and over again are women going, I, I went to two stores and I couldn't find formula. I had to go to a third store. Oh man, what a crisis. Uh, you hear anxiety, you hear fear. But I don't hear infants in general, going to the hospital because of a formula shortage. Now, there were two in Tennessee. They had the doctor on television. And through the whole interview, it was on CNN. I kept waiting for somebody to mention the fact that these two children had a condition that affects 25 out of 100,000 babies uh, called shortened bowel syndrome. And they needed something that was a particular specialty formula. Both children, of course, uh, uh, were cared for and released. Now, this morning, they say there are a few more children in South Carolina who are in the hospital. But 
I went to check this. Do you know how many infants, and I mean infants, die of COVID for the first time? I don't know why. They don't know why. But look it up. Two infants in Alaska, the first deaths, infant deaths from COVID. Uh, um, uh, in, in Missouri, the first infant death from uh, COVID. Riverside, California, their first infant death from COVID. There was a, a whole bunch of them. And it's it's only been, in, I mean, we've had this um, COVID uh, plague for the last two and a half years, but it's only now or primarily now, that for the first time in these places, infants are dying of COVID? I haven't seen one of those parents on TV. Now, there's I, there's also two surveys that just, one just came out this week. It showed that infants, when the Omicron uh, variant was the primary variant, that more children were getting croup which uh, causes severe uh, breathing problems than did with the the other variants before it. So maybe it has something to do with that. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. But I can tell you this, when we talk about this shortage, what the media is doing is promulgating hysteria about it. One woman was on CNN and said, she, she took out her phone and filmed it. Because the woman in front of her was just clearing the shelf and putting all of the baby formula into her basket. And she said, you shouldn't do that. We, you know, we all need formula. And the woman said, well, I need it too. I need it. And she walked away and was hoarding it. Now, I remember. Remember the great toilet paper shortage? People were going crazy. Oh, no, there's no toilet paper. How many people were wiping their butts with leaves <laughs> or old rags? I don't think so. I can't hear you. Albert, you're not. I, said, I got a bidet, so I'm in the clear now. All right. Good for you. You got a bidet. Oh, how French of you. Oh, Monsieur Albert has a bidet. Ooh, la, la. Um. So anyway, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there isn't a formula shortage, but the media, by highlighting the anxiety and the uh, and the fears, and the, you know, I had to go to three stores to find it. I have to tell you, I check Amazon every day. Type in baby formula. Go and do it now. Every day I type it in. And there's a variety of choices, even choices that are hypoallergenic, all sorts of baby formula. Now, it is true, you know, usually there's two, maybe three, where it says currently unavailable. But there are choices there with one-day delivery for babies. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about this, except that it makes good news to show um Mothers on TV going, oh, my God, I have no baby formula. And the, the anxiety is real. There's a shortage. But nobody, no infants are dying. Imagine this. What does a mother in Ukraine do if she just gave birth? Now, that's a crisis. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this because they, they already do. 
All right. So um, Russia this morning banned 963 Americans from travel to their country. Guess who's on the list? God, i.e. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is bad. Oh, my God. Morgan Freeman was, I'm sure he's sitting there going, oh, now I've got to cancel my summer trip to Vladivostok. You know who else was on the list? He's banned from traveling to Russia. John McCain. Maybe they don't get the news over there. John McCain, John McCain's not around anymore. All right. So let me talk about television. And that's something where, you know, I have some experience, knowledge about how it's made and everything. And I have to tell you, CNN, no matter how assiduously you package this guy on TV and tell us he's half black and half African-American and he's a sommelier, no matter how many times you promote it at the end of every newscast and I have CNN on, so it's at the end of every news. Please watch this show tonight. It's vagabond. But no matter how hard you work at it, CNN, he is not Anthony Bourdain, and he will never be the next Anthony Bourdain. You could just see them sitting in the, in, in, you know, in, in the executives' room, going, "Oh, we gotta, you know, Bourdain was so popular." And well, even the name Nomad for this show—we have the picture, right? Did you put it up? There you go, Nomad with Carlton McCoy. Um, it sounds like a presumptuous label from a publicist's meeting. Oh, he travels around. Let's call him a nomad. Now, Anthony Bourdain was not a generic character. He was, he was a very singular man. Uh, uh, he had a weathered face. He had a voice that was deep and, um, was like the voice you get when you drink a lot of cognac or, or bourbon, rich, deep baritone. And it was anchored to his soul. Uh, Bourdain was like a Humphrey Bogart of uh, cuisines and societies around the world. This guy is like a college backpacker. And, and, you can tell he's reading from a script most of the time. And his, his, it just ain't working. It ain't happening, and it isn't going to happen. This should have been on CNN Plus and died a death in the CNN Plus graveyard. So I'm talking a bit about that. Let me tell you, when I got my first job on television, it was a show called Two on the Town at CBS, and they paid $1,000 a meeting to send me to 10 meetings with somebody who would create my image. I went to see this woman. I couldn't believe you could have just given me that extra 10 Gs. But I went to see this woman and she said, oh, you have a very preppy look. And you went to Yale, except you, your hair has to be cut. And you, you, we've got to get you in some... Um, loafers or lace-up shoes and you should be wearing suits um 
with a nondescript tie and we'll package you as this preppy Ivy League um, intellect. I went twice and I stopped. That's, that's how TV works. Now, at one time, they called in, also very expensive, um, the executives called in a research film firm to do one of those things, you know, where they have the one-way mirror and they ask people about what they're watching on the TV. They wanted to find out the public reaction to the Richard Bay show. And I sat there and I went, oh my God, I know they're going to want to put me in the blender and turn me into uh, homogenized milk. And uh, she talked about the show, the people were concerned that somebody might get hurt on the wheel of torture. And, and she mentioned a few other small things. And then she said, and now let me address what they said about the host. And I rolled my eyes waiting for it. And she said, now I have to tell you, this has only happened twice before in my research. I asked them, who is Richard like? What other television personality does he remind you of? They didn't say anybody. They couldn't come up with anybody. They said he's, he's unique. He's one of a kind. And she said, that's only happened to me twice before in all my years of doing this research. And one of those times was Johnny Carson. And the second time was Oprah Winfrey. <sighs> so I exhaled. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm Oprah Winfrey or Johnny Carson. Uh, I mean, I could be uniquely terrible. And here's one more thing. I just thought of this today when you talk about packaging. In 1988, I was called by GQ to do a spread in their magazine. Look at Char look at little baby Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen on the cover of GQ. Well, they were doing an article on the wet look, the Gordon Gecko thing where you have your hair just plastered back and all shiny and whatever. Look at my hair. Um, <laughs> they wanted to do a makeover on me. So this was me. Richard Bay in GQ. Can you believe that? <laughs> anyway, I hated the look. So in terms of packaging, a celebrity comes prepackaged. We have Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, who was this, I mean, he's a, he's a real surgeon. He's a cardiovascular surgeon. And I'm, from what I've read, he's, he, he does very well at that. But on TV, he was hawking all sorts of stuff, including uh, hydrochloroquine, um, but also weight loss, magic weight loss things and pills and freezing your fat off and whatever. And a, a lot of doctors, uh, you know, found what he was doing to be unprofessional. In fact, they tried to throw him off the Columbia um, 
medical um, panel there. Ten doctors wrote a letter. Other doctors have complained. Because this guy, this guy will say and do anything to make a buck, even though he may he may be a great surgeon. But he's a TV doctor now. He's the guy that also examined Donald Trump and gave him the the great thumbs up. He wasn't as good as the, as the hippie doctor who said he's the he's the healthiest man who ever lived. There's never been anybody like him. Um, <laughs> But uh, Dr. Raz is in a very close race in um, in Pennsylvania to become uh, the senator. And he got his start on Oprah. Um, and there are other celebrities that people tout from time to time as, um, uh, as, as being fit for uh, public office and running in an election. Now, I think... People usually say this started with Ronald Reagan because he was had been a movie star, but I don't think that's fair, as you'll see in this next clip. Um, Ronald Reagan was the president of a very large union, the Screen Actors Guild, for years. He campaigned for years for Republicans. He was out on the stump making speeches. I remember because as a little kid, my father loved him, loved Goldwater, they would say, Richard, come in here, look at this man speaking. And he loved Reagan. And uh, in those early days, Reagan was uh, a very talented speech maker and uh, promoter of 20 Mule Team Borax, if you remember that show. <laughs> Death Valley Days, that's where he was the spokesperson. But anyway, uh, so he, Reagan did have an involvement in politics that went on uh, well, for a couple of decades before he even ran for office as governor of California. So I, I think it's unfair to say he was plucked from celebrity and then, and then you know, took office. But I think in 1999, Jesse Ventura had just been elected uh, governor of Minnesota. And this was so long ago that I was asked to be a frequent guest on Fox News, believe it or not. Now I'm persona non grata. But back then, they'd have me on from time to time. And we all sat around and had a good laugh about celebrities like Donald Trump and Arnold Schwarzenegger thinking that they could run for president or elected office. Oh, what a hoot. Take a look at this. On one side, Donald Trump on the other, and Sybil Shepherd, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, maybe even Oprah Winfrey, somewhere in between. Movie stars and media personalities are talking primaries. Now, are they just massaging their big screen egos, going for the biggest starring role of all? Or are these real life performers who are rich and famous enough to get the job done? Should Bay? former host of The Richard Bay Show, Essa Gregoriadis, contributing editor for New York Magazine. I mean, I think that the big change is that somebody like Al Gore or Jimmy Carter were kind of these career politicians who really were born and bred to do this. And what's the big difference between, you know, them being in office or the, the celebrities now who are trained to do this from, you know, their professional experience? But what do celebrities know experience. about foreign policy, right. balancing a budget, how to work with a bicameral legislative 
House. What do they know about the Constitution? What do they know about the What does the president really need to know about that, though? Look at somebody like what Reagan. Did, exactly. I mean, there's I a million What did Reagan know lines. about that? What did Reagan know about <laughs> it? That, that, let me tell you something. This is a bad rap that's starting right now. I don't want to get on Ronald Reagan principally, but Reagan was the governor of the largest state in the Union. He spent 20 years, or well, actually 10 years okay, so before Richard, that campaining for Republicans. But was he an actor? Was he a celebrity? You're back to experience. Right. So if actors you're saying are really right. serious about this, they should go get experience, they, not well, jump in for the president? They do have experience that, that it becomes immediate to the public. They're great public speakers. They have a lot of charisma, a lot of confidence. And when people see that, they get taken in right away. Okay. <laughs> but the problem is, too, that the, with the media, let's, this could be part of the question, two questions, I think. is uh, What are the qualifications for being a president? Number two, even real politicians, do they have to be charismatic, intelligentic? Is that, is that an important quality it, it in absolutely this media is, age? because you people do? are not voting. I mean, that, why do you think Jesse Ventura got all these votes? Because he brought people to life. He, he got young people interested in Involved. voting again. You say people are not voting. There's also the data that says, you know, now it's about photo ops. Sound bites have dropped from minutes to seconds for candidates. So who else but an actor could run? Well, Anyone I mean, if you're going to talk about a soundbite with Al Gore or Bill Bradley or George Bush, you're going to fall asleep. I mean, they're so boring. What is the qualification for being president? The ability to make a 30-second soundbite? Right, that's not I right. say no. Right. I'll tell you this. Jerry Springer was, uh, you know, we all know who he is. He was supposed to be a news anchor. At an NBC station in Chicago, the news anchor, one of the news anchors walked off the set. They had him on for one day. They took him off because they said it's a disgrace that he should be sitting on a new set. Meanwhile, the Democratic National Party in Ohio says, do you want to be senator? So we're saying that our, our qualifications for being a news anchor right. are higher than being a United States senator. And what you were saying before, and is an important question, is if there's a war, if there's, if there's a real problem, can they cut it? True or false, all it would take would be a war or a serious problem for voters to turn against celebrity candidates. True, True or false? True. True. False. False. Why false? Because I think we believe that these people can do anything, and I think we also believe that it's more about the people who are surrounding them. I and mean, we're cynical enough to now say, if you can pick the right people, then you know uh, you can you can do anything. But why do we think these people are qualified to pick the right people to to help them get through the what? White Look, they've House? They've become and... big stars. They've obviously picked the right agents, the right publicists, <laughs> the right, <laughs> the right advisor, and the right government. Basically, at this point, is just like pop. You know, I mean, it's not. It's <laughs> That's the problem. You're exactly right. That's the problem. Vanessa, you start this one. True or false? Politics is now show business. It's about sunbouts, photo ops, popularity polls. Actors are perfect. True, true. Or false? and true, it's been true, that way true. for a true. while. True, and be afraid. Very afraid. <laughs> I, I would be so nervous if someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who never served in a lower office, who got some political experience went into the White House. I mean, I don't Why? want the Terminator. I think, I think they should sit the, these celebrities down and give them the Jay Leno test where they ask them, you know, what, who lives at, uh, who lives on Pennsylvania Avenue, and, you know, who's <laughs> who your is senator, who yeah. is our first president, <laughs> who is Thomas Jefferson, who, you know, and you should give them a test like that, and then I think the, you know, the emperor will have no clothes. You want Sybil Shepherd taking us out of a recession? No. <laughs> we should be involved in it. We should know? get rid of elections and just have the People's Choice Awards. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I I am serious. I've seen what's happened. I've seen polls come out that say that I'd win, and that would, you know, obviously before I did it, I'd have to make sure I could win. Uh, I really, in fact, the National Enquirer, of all folks, did a poll recently, and they said I'd win the election.
That's Donald Trump sounding like a real candidate for president this week. Okay, if you had his money and you had celebrity, would you run for president? I don't know. I mean, I think that I have ideas about the way that this country should be going that aren't really heard. And I really, when I look, you know, when you sit there and watch C-SPAN and you see these guys, or these old white men who have just no mm -hmm. idea, they're still, like, fighting against, you know, the hippies. And there are no more hippies anymore, you know? Yeah. Yes, there are. Uh, go, girl! That's, that's our candidate speech, Richard. Would you run? We just have short hair now. <laughs> um, you know what? I always thought that the, um, you know, that, that that my lifestyle in the past would preclude me from running for political office. But uh, and I always thought that uh, I want I want a better, stronger man than myself to be in that position. And I and I still believe that as president, I'd be interested in running for senate from, from New York State. <laughs> and you heard it here, Richard Bay is announcing. <laughs> what celebrity in the world would you back? Well, President. she's so concerned about having young people be excited about politics again. I think we should have Pokemon for president. Oh, Every kid in America will go, oh, I want to be president, too. Yeah, uh, that's how long ago it was. Pokemon was was the raging craze. Boy, both, both Donald and I look like little kids, don't we? All right, so we're facing a... Um, <clears throat> what they keep telling us, you know, uh, on television and on the radio, we're facing a debacle if you're a Democrat in um, in the next election cycle and that the Republicans uh, will certainly take over the House and possibly take over the Senate, uh, setting up a DeSantis presidency or a Trump presidency in the next election um, if Joe Biden... Um, wants to uh, run for a second term with a 39% approval rating, or if it doesn't get better. So um, <clears throat> I just want to leave you with something that's a little more uplifting and inspiring. Now, maybe you've seen this before, this clip. But every time I watch it, I burst out laughing. It's a seven-year-old girl who's in a race around a track who loses her shoe at the very beginning of the race, turns around, runs back, and puts her shoe on and then joins the race. And the, the, rest, of, the rest of the runners are like halfway around the track already. But she perseveres, doesn't give up, and she keeps on going. And if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil the ending for you. So here it is. Dang, I want to She ran out her shoe. shoe. Go to Layla. Go, 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 Layla. Go, Layla. Let's go, Layla. Let's go, Layla. Let's go, Layla. Let's go, Layla. Wow. It makes me laugh every time I see that. Don't give up. Winston Churchill said, never, never, never give up. And um, I think 
Every time they say, let's go, Brandon, we should say, let's go, Lele. Let's go, Lele. Let's go, Lele. Thank you for joining me today. Have a great week. And as always, all my best. Take care.